And welcome to episode 173 of Box Cutters. God, you sound strange. I do sound strange. Josh? I, I sound very odd. Oh. I, I am not Josh Ganahl. Yes. Not. For those uh, joining us this week, I, I would like to apologise. Josh can't be with us. I'm afraid he's... He hasn't died or anything. He, no, he's overseas. Uh, unless you are listening to this 200 years in the future, in which case he is dead. Uh, and, join- and you are probably a robot. Uh, yes, you're probably uh, some sort of futuristic robot, but we can't even fathom. Well, not so futuristic now, 200 years ahead. Not where you present are. Day. Where, no. you, where you are, you're no. a contemporary no. robot, but where we are, you're a futuristic robot. In fact, per- perhaps you've uh, enslaved the entire human race, in which case... Welcome. Just, uh, just for the humans, uh, <laughs> the next statement is true. The preceding statement was false. Oh, good one, Brett. Humans, well, you're well, welcome. Well done, Brett, saving the future. Uh, to my left, the lovely Wilbur Wilde joining us. Hello, Wilbur. Oh. Yes, I've already been taken over by the machines. And uh, adversely to Wilbur, in the southeast section of the studio, the lovely Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird tonight. Um, all singing, all dancing. Tonight's a very special musical edition of Box Cutters. Uh, Anne-Marie Peard will be joining us to talk about when television goes musical. Wilbur will be chatting about some of the music that yeah, he has observed on the television. We've and Josh Kanar will be teleporting he, back. He will be teleporting in to yes. discuss Flight of the Concords Season 2. Because um, Josh, you know, he may be in another country, but we still can't get rid of him. And, uh, and, and just so that uh, listeners aren't confused at all when that happens, it sounds a little something like this. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's just like being a tomorrow person. <laughs> oh, and there he, he's in, he's out. I can't keep up with him. <laughs> it is impressive technology, though. I think it was good that we spent the money on that. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going to be a very odd show. First up, though, the box cutters news. And now for the news. Because it is our musical episode, I'm going to start off with the most musical and least important news that I have here amongst my pages. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be glad to know, you especially, Wilbur, that Dutch violinist and crime against music Andre Ruhr is going to be visiting Ramsey Street. He's just filmed an appearance for Neighbours for an episode that will air on April the 6th. John, the lawyers have uh, just called in alleged crime against... Oh, uh, I, sorry, because uh, no, no court has yet found him guilty. <laughs> uh, yes, Andre will play the violin for Paul, brackets, Stefan Dennis and Rebecca. Oh my God, is he still on that show? <laughs> he came back, apparently. So yeah, Stefan Dennis and Andre Ruhr. It's like a, a musical kind of... It's like my brain went to heaven. Um, yeah, apparently he plays, everyone comes out and dances, Stefan, Toadie, Carl and Susan. Um... Uh, <laughs> Everyone comes out on Neighbours. They all come out. Are they are they now uh, chasing Home and Away? They are chasing Home and Away. This is uh, we will go into this Home and Away, as reported by the Herald Sun. Because why report the news when you can shriek it? Has on the front page here. Please read the headline for me, Brett. Gay TV for kids. And there's a picture of two ladies holding hands. Oh, they are. Shameful, not, shameful. Not only that, but holding hands right near their groins. Near their waists. Um, the actual article itself, this is a bit from the Herald Sun of Wednesday, March 11th, uh, mentions here that um, there will be a lesbian relationship which blossoms into love. That's a very strange phrase. Um, 
It's one thing for tackle homosexual love on adult dramas such as The L Word, Queer as Folk, Grey's Anatomy, or Brothers and Sisters, quite another for an early evening soapy. How will view- viewers and sensitive advertisers react? I suspect they'll react the same way they did five years ago when Neighbours did this storyline half an hour earlier. Thank you, Harold Son. You're welcome. What have you got, Brett? <laughs> Uh, in uh, sad news, Ron Silver has passed on um, after a fight with esophageal cancer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cancer of the esophagus. Uh, Ron Silver, if his name doesn't ring a bell, you may remember from uh, The West Wing, where he played somebody who I'm just uh, looking up. We actually had to look at the picture, and the minute we saw him, we went, "Oh, it's that guy!" Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a little bit like Andy Anderson. He's a bit of an Andy Anderson. Yeah, you don't you don't recognise him by name, but um, he he was the grumpy. You were saying Phil was a uh, fix it guy, wasn't it? Was the he was used. he was the numbers man, Bruno the re- Bruno, Bruno Giannelli. Uh, Bruno Giannelli, and it was a great character because he came in uh, and would do breakdowns on demographic, and uh, and then he came back at the end of series six to run the Alan Alders campaign. I can't remember what Alan Alders' character was called, but he basically ran for the Republican there. That's right their campaign for all of series six and seven and yeah great character great actor mm-hmm. and 62 years of age and uh, he didn't look it in the west wing not at all i, I he wasn't wrinkled he wasn't gray because the other one uh, was marley matlin who um played another demographer and uh, uh, uh in, in in the west wing and she was uh, also very convincing but she hasn't died no no no, no, no. Wilbur, she's, she's still around Wilbur, i think that we should point out that that <laughs> We, we here at Box Cutters have a certain power. We, there is a certain curse of Box Cutters. It, we, we believe it's only Josh related, but if Josh does name someone on air, they do tend <laughs> they to die. die. Okay, so, fingers crossed you haven't just killed Marley Mountain because she's lovely. Mind you, she wouldn't have heard it, so I guess we're safe. <laughs> Terrible. But hey. once again, in 200 years, she's going to be gone. <laughs> Look, in 200 years, we're all dead. Think about that. Um, <laughs> speaking of dead... Suck it up. This, this, this fascinated me. Power Rangers. Okay, two bits of interesting news here. Power Rangers just have been cancelled. That's one. Which means, secondly, Power Rangers were still on air. What? <laughs> like, it's, it's been on air for years. No one knew. It's just been cancelled. I thought they were old in, like, 1995. No, apparently it started in 93. It's been going ever since then. And since 2003, it's been filmed in New Zealand. And, um, and I... Loved my favourite here was ringing that uh, Underbelly's Anna Hutchinson played Yellow Cheetah Ranger, <laughs> apparently for a few years. Well, you can still get uh, Power Rangers costumes for kids. And uh, I was instructed at Christmas time to go and get a Power Rangers costume. In fact, the black Power Rangers costume for one of our five-year-olds. And when none was available... Was uh, there a black one? There was a black Power Rangers it's one. And there's a And there was a red one there, but they wanted black. So what I did was roll home with a penguin costume from Madagascar. <laughs> and, of course... Uh, <laughs> Elliot wore that once, and he. I mean, I was like, look, you know, Power it's Ranger, the penguin tough guy, Power Ranger, yeah, t- tough guy, penguin. You know, come on, you know, like uh, get the lightsaber and be a penguin. But no, that doesn't surprise but me at all. Penguins, can, penguins can't do high karate kicks. So, well, in Madagascar, they do. They're kind of cool. They fly planes. They do the whole thing. You know, but their legs are only that long. <laughs> so, for the, for yeah. the video podcast. So the, the loss of Power Rangers is probably no great loss to culture, but it is a bit of a shame for for various people in New Zealand who are working on it and yep. making their money. So that's a bit sad. Speaking of money, I think you've got something. Money related over there, lovely Brett. Money related. Oh, I was going to go uh, cancellation related. Oh no, that's good. Then follow that on. Yeah, I'll um, go that. Uh, uh, Smooth. Friend of box cutters Philip Glinister uh, is about to kill another UK series, uh, Ashes to Ashes, which has been continuing on. Um, he's 
announced that he's uh, going to call it quits on there. Um, and so Ashes to Ashes is to be axed. At the end this of series is, of course, two, the, uh, the follow-up to the UK's Life, Life on Mars. Mars. Of course, the US Life on Mars 2 has not been renewed, so the end of episode 17 will be the end of the series. Yeah, they're, they're, they're saying, I think they're using the term shelved Are they? in the US, mm. yes. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's not coming back, here's Humphrey. Uh, Banks, oh, no. Banksia Productions, which owns the license for Here's Humphrey, um, has been threatened with liquidation after Wynn-owned Channel 9 Adelaide pursued the company for an alleged $50,000 debt. They're in, studi- uh, they're in Supreme Court at the moment over an un- allegedly unpaid studio rental fees. This is from TV Tonight, this, this piece. Um, so they're not sure it's having Humphrey creator Rex Heading said the clash over cash was a bloody shame. He's a valuable, iconic character. You'd do everything in the world to protect him. Humphrey filmed his last episodes in 2007. He hasn't, That's right. He hasn't filmed any new footage since then, although he has been at the Carols by Candlelight every year, and he also was in the phone room during the Australia Unites bushfire appeal. It's month. so tragic that, uh, that Humphrey has developed this uh, gambling addiction and he's just sent his uh, company bankrupt. It's, it's a shame. Okay. Hookers and cocaine. <laughs> Hard liquor and handgun evenings with Humphrey. Wilbur, well, you've probably gone through more media training than we have. <laughs> Are we safe actually saying that uh, Humphrey's had a bit of a problem? <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. That's right, yeah. Can you libel a character? Can you, I don't know. That's you an know, interesting like if, point. If you, if, if you started saying that pluck a duck. Uh, you know, was was pimping. Oh, no, no, you can, because do you remember years ago, uh, there was a cartoon, I think, in The Australian of Mr. Squiggle in bed with with a lady, and there was some, sexual, Jane, was some sexual euphemism involving the pencil for a nose. Interestingly, if you're one of our international viewers and has no idea what I'm talking about, um, I can't even explain. Mr. Squiggle was just such a bizarre little mm. fever dream mm. of Australian mm. and, television. And, of course, in the, uh, the case of uh, Plucker... D- Truth is a defence. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but, but the Australian got sued by the Hetherington's creator, Mr. Squiggle, claiming that they had effectively defamed their character, I believe. I'll, I'll do a bit of well, research for next Yeah, bit, yeah. Right? It's, it's not for defamation, but it is uh, damaging the value of the asset. Although now, given that uh, it, would be it looks like Humphrey's not coming back, it would seem that Humphrey's not really an asset anymore. Speaking of values of assets, very quickly, Ken West, who owns Channel 10, we've been mentioning every single week. Um, looks like they're about to default <sighs> again. They've been on a three-day um, extent, three-week extension to come up with the money to pay the interest, which is due. Um yeah, whether or not that's... I just mentioned it because Paddy Hullian left a, a message on the blog saying, let's send the plate around and buy Channel 10. I made 150 bucks on the weekend. That's a controlling interest, right? So I think box cutters, we can all pitch in and not just, just buy yet. Channel 10. Not just yet, Paddy. Uh, give it... Well, just wait until the receivers come in and then... Yeah, you want, you want the dead cat bounce on Channel 10. Uh, is it all owed like $5 billion or so? Is it all owed by the 10 network or is Can West... Um Can West generally is doing very badly. Uh, They recently got rid of New Republic. They owned New Republic magazine Mm -hmm. in the US. That's been disposed of. I think they're just basically throwing everything out. It's a fire at the moment. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, effects of the global financial crisis, uh, 20% of the workforce of the Sesame Workshop is to be... Axed. And when I say axed, it means they're retrenched. These are real people working on uh, Sesame Street. Uh, They're eliminating 67 of their 355 staff positions over there. Uh, And uh, hopefully it won't affect uh, the production of Sesame Street too much. 
and uh, things will be happy there once again soon. I've got no smooth segue at all into this piece, which is about uh, Freeview, we mentioned last week. Uh, speaking of streets and televisions walking down it. Oh, you're so good at this. <laughs> yeah. So if I was walking down the street and a whole bunch of televisions appeared, it might be an ad for Freeview. Freeview is um, something we've discussed quite a bit over the... And last week we mentioned there's a comedy show coming up and uh, Dan Illich and Mark Fennell created a parody of the Freeview uh, trailer, mm. um, which we played mm. a bit of last You've week. You've seen the ad, yes, Wilbur? The Freeview ad I've seen. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah. you seen the parody no. Freeview ad? Not no. yet, but it, I will it, YouTube it tonight. It's, it's very nicely done. And um, anyway, it disappeared off YouTube for a while. And it, the interesting thing about this story is that it was said that the Freeview said they had nothing to do with it. They wouldn't you know, infringe it. It's not actually illegal because it's, it's fair use, use of comment. Turns out then YouTube's gone around and said, no, it definitely was them. It was Freeview told us to get rid of it. And... This comes after Freeview had said on record to Crikey that they hadn't been involved with the removal of it. So, so, so they were asked directly by a journalist, were you responsible for uh, getting YouTube to pull that clip? They denied it. Uh, there was actually a letter from an executive at Google Australia, owner of YouTube, who uh, said, we don't usually come in on these things, but uh, yes, they did actually get in touch and... So now the story has become that Freeview um, actually lied to they lied to journalists. So it's kind of yeah, it's becoming even stranger. Also with journalists, very quickly, Channel Thirty One's The Bazura Project attempted. You may have seen on Media Watch this week attempted to get uh, nominated for Logies. They they wrote away to to get nominated for Logies to be um, told that they weren't eligible because they're on. Because nobody Channel watches 31. Channel 31, apparently, according to TV Week. According to TV Week. Although, yet, if you're on a, a pay TV channel, which presumably gets much the same ratings, you are eligible. Uh, and there's actually nothing in the rules that says you're not eligible. So mm. there's a bit of a campaign now started up after that. And uh, Laurie Patton, spokesperson for um, the Australian Community Television Alliance, has said, at a time when there are continuing calls for increased local content on Australian television, we believe that this decision is unfair and unreasonable. So there's a bit of a yeah, a little bit of thing going on there. We're going to have the Bazira Boys on at some point in the next few weeks, so we will discuss that with them a little bit further. In what category would they be nominated? Is there Com- a suit- comedy? Yeah, there's okay. a and the comedy section is peer peer reviewed rather than popular vote. And they also made the point that uh, there had been no uh, Chaser, there'd been no Kath and Kim last year, and uh, no Chris Lilly. So they kind of thought they were up there with a chance. They only wanted to get a nomination. They just wanted to put themselves forward. And TV Week has said they can't even put themselves forward as a nomination. They refuse to even acknowledge them as a, as a, as a concept for a nomination. Um, very quickly, Mormons upset by Big Love again. And that, they can't handle the truth. They can't handle the truth. And that's pretty much uh, it. Family Any, guys uh, upset the Christians over there. So Anything else for you, Brad? No, that's it. Well, other than that, it's the Box Cutters News. Now, in order to prepare you for the next segment, we thought we would just play you a little bit of this. This week, we came here for the truth. The warrior princess will be put to the ultimate test. All right, Kelly Stell, we're up here. Zena, be warned. Zena, beware. By closing your eyes, you can see what isn't there. Zena, be calm. Open your eyes. Lies may be truth, and truth may be lies. 
talked about episode of the season is finally here. You won't believe your ears. Cena's first all musical adventure. Battle on, Cena. Tomorrow at nine on the WB Eleven. Now, with, uh, with, with that in mind, our next guest is an expert on musical episodes of television, having done academic presentations on the very topic. Plus, Indeed. she is the woman John Michael Hollywood Housand called a pretentious asshole. He didn't like my review of Shout the Musical. No. Welcome to the Boxcutter's Microphone. Thank you. Anne-Marie Peard. Indeed. Uh, so, Shout the Musical, John Michael didn't, didn't like. No, he didn't like what I had to say about it. I said it was poorly written. You pretentious asshole! <laughs> <laughs> but I said nice things about the cast. I sang they, you know, they sang and they pranced beautifully. Yeah, that's exactly the sort of defence I would expect a pretentious asshole yes. to bring up. But it does bring up that if you write a bad story and you put it on the stage, it's going to end up like poo. But then if you write a bad story, put it on telly, same thing. It is going to end up like poo. Now, mm. musical episodes of television shows in the. Uh, in the early part of this decade, mid, like early to mid part of this decade, we saw quite a lot of those. It was sort of flavour of the month for a while when, you know, there was the wonderful Buffy musical, which of course we will talk about because we absolutely have to because it's fantastic and faultless. Mm-hmm. But then people like Scrubs pulled out an absolutely wonderful one in series six. Um, the Simpsons did it repeatedly and did it absolutely perfectly every single time. Should we point out to the, the trailer we just played for Xena? That's actually one of the two Xena musical episodes. That was from Liar Liar, pa- not Pants on Fire, Hearts on Fire, spelt L-Y-R-E. <laughs> musical. Mm, and it's all, it's sort of clips from, not clips, but they grab music from all sorts, like Xena sings War, What Is It Good For? And the opening is from Bye Bye Birdie. It's fabulous. But uh, as far as original, because Drew Carey show did that a lot as well. They would have huge musical yeah. numbers. Uh, but often it was it was more like a drag act because they were just mouthing the words. Well, I agree. I think that's where some of these things don't work when they're sort of pulling in stuff and just using it as some weird gimmick when the ones that actually write their own music, tell an incredible story through it, succeed so well. Uh, thinking about gimmick, I was going to ask mm. you, is this is this a kind of jumping the shark kind of thing? Is it a thing series do when they're desperate and they sort of... Or, or, or do people really go, you know what, I really want to do a music lab instead of Xena? Well, some of them, look, they jump the shark with sequins and you sit there and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm never watching you again but then when you do it well it's brilliant and it's all down to you knowing your genre knowing musicals accepting that they're not just these frilly little dancey things when we sort of go back and look at the big stage musicals that we see again and again and again and sort of never stop running it's you know lame miserable it's phantom it's west side story it's cabaret it's everything by sondheim and these are big sad miserable epic stories <laughs> So what, lay Miserable, not Lay Happy Guts. What's one of the earlier examples then for television of, of these sort of musical episodes that you found? Oh, goodness, I think the earliest... Oh, no, Gilligan's Island. How could I forget it? Um, probably around the time of the Brady Bunch variety hours, but we're <laughs> maybe not going to count them. Be it an episode of Gilligan's Island called The Producer, where Phil Silvers just... He happens to be playing a great Hollywood producer who happens to end up on the island. His plane crashed. He came in on a raft... Perfectly unhurt, no problem. Which is it's lucky. like Lost, isn't it? Actually? Just like Lost. <laughs> In fact, I 
think they stole that Actually, story. That, that's quite alarming now. That I've put the idea that Gilligan's Island and Lost are remarkably similar in my head. Oh, you'll uh, you'll, you'll need to talk to uh, James Talia about that. For, for, for years, he was calling Lost Gilligan's Island and refused to watch it. <laughs> now he's hooked. So, Do you know what I, really scary thing? Sing the Australian national anthem to the theme of Gilligan's Island. It works perfectly. Or Stay Away to Heaven, Gil- Gilligan's Island theme. It does. I sang mm. it in my head. I want to know more about the musical episode. So, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Sherwood mm. Schwartz shows and I, I don't know this episode. Well, no, I'm sure I'd seen it, but only till I sort of went back and refound it. But anyway, the producer turns up lucky for Ginger because she's a starlet and would like to star in a Broadway musical. <laughs> <laughs> to, to what? An audience of five. Oh, exactly. No Broadway on the island. Yes. Yeah. Off Broadway. Uh, <laughs> if they, um, he's going to get a rescue ship because... You know, there's a little theme in Gilligan's Island. Sometimes they nearly get rescued. And then, really? Really? <laughs> really? I know. Oh. You've got to watch it subtle. Okay. okay. And then the professor goes so, into the orchid and shifts the well, island again. the professor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ginger tries to impress this producer and fails. So Gilligan, the skipper and the professor have a little think tank. And they realise they've got some books. They reject the carpentry book. They reject how to be a millionaire. They reject how to tie knots. But they choose a book by Shakespeare called Hamlet. And they've got some records on the album. Luckily, one of them was Carmen. And luckily, they have a whole pile of Shakespearean-style costumes <laughs> <laughs> that you do bring when you're going on a three-hour oh, tour. No, surely Mary Ann just whipped them out out of, you know, the, the sewing machine. <laughs> that the, although they found yeah. them in the bunker. You know, they were in yeah. one of the... Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they put together this musical and... Forget the rest of the episode. The three songs of Hamlet the Musical are absolutely stunning. It's one of those forget cliff notes, forget reading the play, just see Hamlet the Musical, where Bob Denver comes on as Gilligan and sings To Be or Not To Be, and it's got, you know, To Be or Not To Be, a rogue or peasant slave is what you see, a boy who loves his mother's knee. That's good. But it that's, isn't... That's, that's much better than Mel Brooks's uh, To Be or Not To Be, the Hitler rap. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing's quite as good as that. But the better thing about that is Ginger plays Ophelia and um, Mr and Mrs Howe play um, Gertrude and the uncle, Claudius, and Marianne plays Laertes, which of course you do, and of course the skipper plays Polonius, who's uh, Ophelia's dad and Laertes is the brother. It's quite educational, this, I know, isn't it? Well, look, this is it. Everyone always has trouble with Ophelia. She's this wussy thing who goes off to a nunnery or a notary, as Gilligan accidentally says. <laughs> That's hilarious. And drowns. But she gets to sing her song all about Hamlet, which we just have to do this. Which is, Hamlet, dear, your problem is clear, avenging thy father's death. You seek to harm your uncle and mum, but you're scaring me to death. While I die and sigh and cry that love is everything, you're content to try and catch the conscience of a king. That's all you need to know about Ophelia. That's fair. That's nice. That's the the first singing guest I think we've ever had on Boxco. And it has the best line ever written, which is, Hamlet, Hamlet, do be a man, let rotten enough alone. Ah. So So it's... It's it's actually... That's Intelligent. And you could just see the writers going, okay, we can do something that we're going to appreciate. The audience probably didn't get. Like when I saw it when I was five, I probably missed Mm. the subtleties of the Hamlet plot. 
Because you're, you're more a Macbeth girl growing <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, when I was six, I was just over Hamlet. You had all the Macbeth dolls and the lunchbox. <laughs> um, I'm assuming this is an episode probably later on. I think it was series four, maybe, or it could be series two. I've actually got no idea. Okay. It, but it did have the... Um, the Skipper and Marianne in the opening credits not and the rest, so it was beyond series two. Yes. Mm. Uh, the, uh, the, I'm glad you know that, because a, a lot of people, they just they just go... What are you talking about when you're seeing, you know, because singing the Gilligan's uh, Gilligan's Island theme as you do, just yeah. around the dinner table, and uh, and you say and the rest, and people go, what? What do you mean? It's the Professor and Marianne? No, 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 no. It was the one. rest. It was the rest, and then they changed it when they went colour. It all yeah. changed. It all changed with Gilligan's Island. The uh, <laughs> uh, compare that though. Compare that uh, excellent, thoughtful, <laughs> uh, interesting bit of musical television with. The uh, horrible opening song from the first series of uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. When I say the first series, I mean the first series that the two guys came back to, to work on, not the first series of the show because there was only one series of the show and it was terrible. And but, I haven't seen it. Right. Well, they do this, uh, this. They think the only way to announce that they're doing this show now and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be brilliant and it's going to be really, really intelligent uh, is they do a Gilbert and Sullivan Number, but change the uh, <laughs> change change the words of uh, of uh, a very modern major general to uh, some, something about uh, a late night sketch show, and because the kids dig that shit, yeah, totally, totally, wow. and it was just mega super one hundred percent lame. I'm going um, nerdy writers thinking they're being clever. Yeah. Speaking of lame, what's on your lame list? Oh, what my lame list. Oh, look, I watched Blackpool and Viva Lachlan or Laughlin yep. Lachlan the other day. Laughlin. Laughlin, there we go. I googled how to pronounce it and couldn't get a consistent answer. <laughs> look, it's either this is incredible, particularly Blackpool, this bizarre mix of genre that does musical, detective story and generic ABC thing that, you know, granny watches. And so it's, it's either sort of it's, it's either it's complete genius for mixing genre, or it's its absolute downfall, and I'm going downfall. Well, see, I, I mm. also I also think mm. downfall because you look at uh, the things Dennis Potter did mm. with Which were the, wonderful with genre mixing and putting musical numbers in, and that is just genius. It works so well, and it's it's 100 necessary. But some guy singing "I'm Still Standing" while doing a dance number on the escalators. Yeah. That's not Blackpool had the weird thing too, where they actually just sing over the top of the songs, yes. don't they? So it's 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 like someone's just singing along to the radio without doing anything to move the plot or even explain the character. Mm. So I actually thought with Blackpool, if you took the musical out, I'd be much more inclined to keep watching. Where the American one, yeah, not even with you, it just yeah. Which we should point out Blackpool. Um, Hugh starred, Hughes in it. Yeah, Blackpool starred Doctor Who. And well, then I love Doctor Who. They remade it in America with Wolverine. Yeah. And the Wolverine version got cancelled, I think, after two episodes, which was a network record. Well done. <laughs> Congratulations, Look, Hugh. If I hadn't seen Blackpool, I wouldn't have got through the whole episode of the American one. It was just like, I'm going to see where they're going. And I couldn't. I couldn't mm. t- take my eyes away from the American version. It was just. It, it was like the world's greatest car crash. <laughs> it was. It was just so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give it a miss. I think. Well, it only so, had two episodes. But in. Uh, but in, yeah, just in terms of using music, you could see them going. Oh, this is going to be funny. This is going to be great. But it doesn't actually use music and songs in the way that make you go, oh, my God, I want to watch this program. Well, and, and there's also, I think, something to, to be said for shows that do original songs. 
which the the Simpsons mm. does. Uh, Daria the musical Daria exclamation mark did, uh, and it's a fantastic episode. Oh. Uh, then and uh, and the Scrubs episode did, but also with that and mixing genres, how can you go past cop rock? I've only done a bit of cop rock. On YouTube, yeah, and I'm still fascinated Cop Rock's, by... Um, Cop Rock's a little bit of a mm. theme of the show. I showed it to Julie and Anne-Marie, because, you know, um, yeah, there, there's one school of thought, as mine, that Cop Rock is a terrible, terrible program. And then there are insane, insane people like Josh, who think Cop Rock is actually good. Oh. I, I forced Josh to watch some on YouTube before one show, <laughs> and even after we'd watched it, he still had this insane concept that it's, Cop Rock is not a great big steaming pile But it was the because same guy who did Hill Street Blues. That was his next show. Yeah, no, if you haven't seen Cop Rock, just to, just to, you know, to refresh, um, imagine you made Hill Street Blues and you said, you know what would be better? If this had really dreadful 80s-style <laughs> L.A. rock songs in it. <laughs> And um, I, when Flight of the Concord started, they, they often referred to Cop Rock in interviews, actually. <laughs> they were trying, trying to say what it wasn't going to be like. The, the thing about Cop Rock is it had never been done before. <laughs> and you're wonderful. <laughs> and uh, Or since. And, or, or, or since. And I don't know why. I mean, sure, sure the, you know, the, the characters in Cop Rock weren't really all that likeable. It was, it was very hard to, to get to know them, what with all the singing and dancing. Maybe Oz the Musical. Oh. Oh, yeah. Did Oz do a musical episode? That would have been great. It they should have. Made, should've. It would have made sense. We're going to get shanked. We're going to get shanked. We're going to get shanked. Just to give you an idea of Cop Rock, we've got a couple of clips. Um, uh, if we can play, I, don't, I don't care which one you choose there, Brett, but well, it's just to give you an idea of how, how the characters talk and how that leads into the musical numbers. And yes, I think I can guess which one you're going to choose. Yeah. Well, 15's really turned me on. What do you mean? I mean, just what I said. They turned me on. Man, there's just nothing like it. I mean, what a rush. Kinda gets a girl thinking. Like I don't know what to do with myself. Should also put out they're, they're dancing around the police car at the moment. She's actually uh, doing a big dance number around the police car because she likes. That's, that's really enough. The thing I love about this though is that, that when people sing, generally they lose their accents, but the style of singing here just. Except to us that well, they're, 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 tough, hard at they're tough New York yeah, cops. Yeah. <laughs> and they, well, I think I'm taking back my criticism of cop rock after that. <laughs> End of the day, you know, in music, you sing what you can't say. You sing your deep inner thoughts that you don't want people to know, just like a soliloquy does in Shakespeare. Mm, nice. yeah. Never heard of him. No. <laughs> he did Hamlet, the musical. Oh, yeah. Gilligan's oh, yeah. Island. Yeah, that oh, one. Oh, Sherwood Shakespeare. <laughs> With him, <laughs> right? So you reckon but, this? Yeah, woman you're sang- singing your inner thoughts, and usually to people you don't necessarily want to know. And there we have a cop singing, "I want to go bumpy, 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 But she's a little like <laughs> the like the the ultra tall blonde hard chick cop in Police Academy. Yes, that's, that's yeah. true. Yes. Oh. She's uh, this is why I think cop rock is is fantastic because a it didn't take itself seriously. 
be... See, I think it did. That's, See, the, I, that's the weird thing. I, I don't think... think it, I think it seriously thought it was doing something important. No, I don't, I don't think it was. It was only a half-hour show as well, which uh, back then, a half-hour show was, was never a drama. It was always, always a comedy. So it was a, a really interesting concept for a show. And I think could have had... Like, if it, if it was around today, would probably have an amazing cult following. Curiously, if it was around today, also, I think the, the, the style of music would be chosen in a slightly more accessible... I, I remember even at the time, it was a very, very American form of music that yes. was in I'm yeah. actually thinking it's going to be the new reality show, Forget American Idol. It's now going to be cop rock and you have to come in and perform your favourite genre. Actually, I think it should be police. I think police be on their beat have to, yeah. <laughs> have to burst yeah, into yeah. song. Now, you're saying that revealing, revealing your inner thoughts mm. um, and Buffy, I think we huh. can say Buffy... The, the Buffy musical episode, Once More with Feeling, I think actually did reveal things well, about the characters, didn't the it? That we had the absolute genius of that episode. That, you know, it's the whole plot thing, the whole thing. Make your world authentic, make it believable, and it's bring in the demon who actually feeds on people's inner secrets and inner grief. And it's this whole musicals aren't big happy things. So in this episode of Buffy, everyone starts off cheery. But in fact, what they end up singing to each other is the secrets, the things they don't want the other people to know. And they end up, everyone ends up hurting someone they love inadvertently through singing your, the things you don't want to say. And some and of that goes on throughout the series, doesn't it? I mean, some of those are points thing, that, yeah. that drive the rest of well, the season. Well, secrets and keeping there's them a, back. There's a, a major reveal in that, in that episode well, of that season. And that, it is. Because Buffy, was, it's, the, it's the episode where mm. Buffy was brought back from the dead. And Which isn't really a bad spoiler. No, no, no. Because if you've seen series you, there, five and there's two yeah, series, it, it was, you know she it comes was back ten years death. ago. Yeah. yeah, there are there are no spoilers when it comes when Excellent. it comes to Buffy. We just but yeah, we, Josh we just does go this. Right, Buffy so, reveals her massive, massive secret. Look at me butting in all over yeah, the go place. Ahead, go ahead. <laughs> the you know I was in heaven, and I remember watching it way back in 2002 when we only had video players and had to actually watch things each week. But, you know, you're going, she's not going to reveal this, it's too big. And she does. So Buffy's arc, you know, she's the only one at that point who's gone from a miserable place to somewhere a little more happy. Everyone else has gone somewhere miserable. A couple minutes later, he replaces that secret with something so bad it ends up looking like I was in heaven was I took the last Tim Tam or something. So by, you know, making this massive reveal, he then gives her an even bigger ser- secret. The other thing I also... Spike. I, I remember also in that, that episode is mm. that uh, Anya and... Anya and Xander, Xander at the end of them. Who have the been a I'll couple. Never Tell. A, they oh. have this very catchy little show mm. number about how they'll never tell each other that they're worried about their relationship. Mm. And of course, by having that number, they split. Yeah. And then, yeah, other terrible things It's the end of um, Willow and Tara. It's the but, end of uh, Giles and Buffy. It's... Oh. But that um that that uh, Anya and and Xander uh, number where Anya is is pretty much just in a bra, I remember that quite frankly. <laughs> uh, and French knickers. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it was like it was the hottest thing she wore all season. Uh, but uh, but the the reveals in that episode are great, and also the the idea that not everybody has because Willow does not sing. Because she can't. She can't sing. I have listened to the commentary more than once. <laughs> and uh, and uh, also, uh, you know, they really play their characters, to, or their actors, mm. to their strengths. Michelle Trachtenberg, excellent dancer, has this wonderful dance horrible sequence. Character. Oh, terrible character. <laughs> terrible Dawn. character. But mm. 
wonderful uh, no just wrote the dance thing just for dawn also just Wayne obviously was a big fan of musicals he's done it again mm. since then um, there was a flashback to that episode I in know. a later series oh, of, of with Buffy, Anya in her dress her which wedding is, dress which is an astonishingly powerful mm. piece of, of writing where, where we have a flashback to when she was happy and then this horrible cut to the grotesque thing that's currently happening in her yeah. in her life but also because he did um, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog since then as well which was a um, <laughs> which uh, was so much fun I haven't seen musical. that yet it's, it's great I know, I have to. It also comes. Um, I'm curiously, not that geeky. It, the DVD comes with a, a, a an all musical commentary track, which is a first oh. as well. So on the DVD, you can watch these. Uh, the commentary track has all the actors singing, including Patrick Fillion sings a song about how much better he is than um, Doogie Howser. <laughs> Uh, whose real name I've just forgotten, but who's... Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, Better Than Neil is a song, and it's so catchy. It's a great little tune you can hear on the commentary track. <laughs> See, that's so, that's so much fun. Uh, so, we, we've talked about your lame. Obviously, Buffy's your, your favourite. Can't fault it. Have, have you got a top five? Top five? Well, Buffy, Once More With Feelings, Series 6, Episode something or other. <laughs> Look um, it up on Wikipedia. I will be, yeah, yeah. Good at that. That's what the internet's um, for. Scrubs, um... My musical, absolutely fantastic. Again, makes it authentic, makes it believable. Really, really knew their genre. They brought Broadway people in. They cast an incredible woman as the guest star. And they had heaps of fun. And again, all revealing sort of inner things about them. You know, Turk and Carla's relationship gets a bit of a knock around there. Um, JD and Turk sing their great love song, and that's got another great poo song. But well, yeah, it's a, hmm. it's a, it's a, uh, that's the showstopper because every yeah. musical needs a showstopper, and check the poo is Everything the showstopper. Down to poo. Yeah, <laughs> which then would lead me to Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo, um, one of the very early um, South Park. Thank you. I knew it started with S. Absolutely fantastic. South Park generally very strong with songs. Yes. Very mm. yeah, and use it really, really, really well. I'm going Hamlet the musical from. Gilligan's Island. Nice. And, oh, uh, The Simpsons one with Streetcar Named Desire. That is a good one. Absolutely brilliant. You know, maybe not a musical episode per se, but the musical within the episode, brilliant. And it See, does have that song, you can always rely on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. You can always rely on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> and totally grabbed the genre and satirised it without... You know, being too mean. Well, the, the Simpsons do that uh, a number of times. Once yeah, the, with um, uh, Streetcar, on the they town do, one's great. Uh, with Stop the Planet of the Apes. I want to get off uh, with uh, Doctor yeah. Zayas, Doctor Zayas, <laughs> and they uh, and they they also have uh, you know their version of Guys and Dolls, yeah. which is Guys and Dolls. We're just a crazy <laughs> bunch of guys and dolls. It was it's fun. the Simpsons did some great yeah, stuff. Yeah, look, I can't think of one of their ones that was a dud. Oh, you should see some recent things. Now, once more, with feeling uh, was season six, episode seven. Thank uh, you, thank you, Mr. Playing along yes. at home. <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, Anne Marie Pierre, thanks so much for coming on to Box Cutters thank and talking you. all about musical television episodes. It's a it's a strange little genre. It is. It's a fantastic thing for you to specialise in. We're very glad that you did. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're going to talk about Flight of the Concord <gasps> season two now. Should we ask Anne Marie to stay? Yes, oh, please. Yes, and you know what? I'll thank you for that as well. Okay. Shall we go out with another uh, uh, another? Shall we, shall we hear you? something from the Buffy episode? Sure. Uh, cool. Let me just line that up. If you want to fill there. Um, um, I, uh, Monsters, you want <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, so, did anybody uh, last night? You know, did anybody um, burst into song? Merciful Zeus. 
We thought it was just us. Oh, it was bizarre. We were talking and then it was like... Like you were in a musical. We did a whole duet about dinner I couldn't see on the synchronized dancing from the We were arguing and then everything rhymed and there were harmonies and the dance was about the couscous. It was very disturbing. What did you sing about? I don't remember. But it seemed perfectly normal. But disturbing. And not the natural order of things. And do you think it'll happen again? Oh, we should look into it. With the books? Do we have any books on this? Well, we just gotta break it down. Look at the factors before it happens again. Because I, for one... I've got a theory that it's a demon. A dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. Some kid is dreaming. And we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. I've got a theory. We should work this out. It's getting eerie. What's this cheery singing all about? It could be witches, some evil witches, which is ridiculous, because witches, they were persecuted, wicked, good, and love the earth and women power, and I'll be over here. I've got a theory, it could be Barney's. Yeah, hi, good day. I'm Katrina Mathers, and I'm on the Box Cutters. How cool's that? <laughs> oh, that just reminded me, I, I, I'd completely forgotten about Anya's fear of bunnies, and that excellent, because uh, now this is just going to turn into a... Uh, so a Buffy Remembrance Fest. <laughs> that excellent Halloween episode where Anya dresses up as a bunny. It being the scariest thing yeah. she can think yes. of. It's, and she's a demon. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. There are 144 episodes out there waiting for you. It's, it's excellent. But there are only about, uh, what, 12 episodes of Flight of the Concords waiting for you. Of season two, yeah, yeah, Flight of the Concord season two. How many? How many in season one? I think roughly thirteen in okay. each. I think off the top of my head. Uh, so, Flight of the Concords. We talked about it uh, last year when it uh, first started. I think ever so briefly. Uh, it's the New Zealand folk comedy act. That was when Ross was still with us. Yeah, remember Ross? I remember. Remember Ross. how nice he was? It's great. Whatever happened to him? Everyone misses Ross. He regenerated. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. What noise did that make? <laughs> uh, so, Flight of the Concords. Sorry, we just had an aside. Oh, no. A little reminiscing aside. Uh, Flight of the Concords is a, a kind of a musical comedy. Uh, they have one or two songs every episode. The, the group, Flight of the Concords, is two people from New Zealand who are just a singing comedy group. And this show is about their adventures in New York City. Season two started about six, seven, eight, nine weeks ago. And a specific, I'm specific. Seven. I think many episodes seven, there yeah, on, uh, a bunch, a on H- HBO in the United States. Yeah, so we thought we should have a look at it. Sure. And have a chat. And we, and we did look at it, and uh, I'm going to leave the chat to others to start with. Okay, well, look, I'm a fan. I, I, I love the first series. Um, I went so far to buy the BBC radio uh, serial, because yeah. it's a weird little progression with them. That They started off when they were touring Australia originally. They won Best Newcomer at the uh, Comedy Festival, I think, in 2003 ish, or something like that. Maybe yeah, a little t- bit earlier. 2000 and something. And um, they were kind of a bit cool at the time. The, 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 the characters. Um, the characters they played were kind of a little bit... No, they thought they were cool, even though they weren't. And it's interesting how they've kind of progressed to now being these strange, slightly daggy, kind of very insular, very low-key Kiwi characters. Um, did the six-part BBC series, which is well worth purchasing. And this thing, you'll recognise most of the plots from series one. Uh, but it does have the great thing when Murray, every episode, rings up Neil Finn to ask him <laughs> for advice. <laughs> In what sounds like completely improvised <laughs> conversations, in which Neil Finn's quite bewildered. But is it actually Neil Finn? It really is Neil oh, Finn. And there's this lovely joke where Neil Finn gets to go, uh, how, did, how did you get this number, Murray? I, I changed it since last time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the whole thing 
moved on to New York. Um, when series, this is series two, when it started, um, the band talked about there being a, a bit of a second album syndrome. They effectively used a year's worth of all their musical numbers in the first series. And particularly the beginning of this series, um, episode one, I think, uses the Mermaid song, which is quite an old one of theirs. And No, not the Mermaids. It wasn't in series one. So it uses the angels. There are angels in the clouds doing angels it, doing it, doing it. Angels doing it in heaven. Yeah, as, as just a... a a throwaway. I think a bit of attempt mm. to kind of just yeah jam a song. Yeah, there. they were saying they were having a hard time. And online there was a lot of criticism about this series. Uh, I mean, I think it's great. And I I wondered if it was a bit like remember how the Simpsons? Everyone thought the Simpsons was getting really bad, and then later on it did get really bad. <laughs> and we realised that we you partly you get used to the quality of something and you expect it to keep getting higher. And I actually thought series two is probably as good. As series one, but we were kind of hoping for a bit more. And then I think about episode four, it really ramps up again. I've been, I've been particularly enjoying the series. Um, they've approached it more as a as a, a group exercise, so ensemble. an ensemble. Mm. Yeah. So the um, other members get to have songs. Well, Murray gets a, a big song in the first Murray episode. Had a, had a great Murray song has in the a first wonderful episode. Song. Um, Mel's had a song which was really lovely about about in dreams, how everything can happen in dreams. Oh, on her bike, on her she bike, rides up into talking the, yeah. biscuits and yeah. And um, and yeah, virtually everyone's and they're sharing out the songs a lot more than they used to, which is quite interesting. And also, so much stuff about Australia and New Zealand in this series, which I've been really, really enjoying. Um, lovely episode where Jermaine realizes he's gone home with an Australian girl. He's quite horrified. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. And he's talking to Brett on the phone. And he's going, "Well, you know, are you sure she's Australian?" Because well, she's Australian or she really likes Australia. And he asks her what her, what her accent sounds like. Well, it sounds like an evil version of our accent. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my absolute favourite lines in any comedy show. So, yeah, still a big thumbs up for me. What did, what did you think, Emery? I absolutely loved it. And I loved the first one. And I loved the second one. And I've only watched four so far, but I shall be downloading more. Not that we download stuff, because that would be illegal and No, wrong, no, we're, 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 we're legally watching it in a way that we just can't explain. Oh, no, no. For um, review purposes, it's actually not illegal. Oh, there, there we go. No, I absolutely loved oh, it. Again, I'm going to um, have a word to my ISP. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'd yeah, have a word with mine, but they're in court. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, really it got better after. I mean, I liked the first episode and getting rid of the crazy dogs and all of that. You know, is, is this a bad thing? Actually, it does the same thing that 30 Rock does each season <laughs> yes. where they... It takes that first episode. It takes that first episode to, to put everything tie back. Tie up all yeah. the ends that yes. opened up. At, yeah, yeah so the first it, episode of each season of 30 Rock is just no good. It's terrible because yeah, they're just putting everything back into place to be exactly as it was in the previous series yes. before they did the cliffhanger. And, and so that was kind of annoying with the first episode yep. of the second series. But and episode two. I found it really curious that, that they didn't bother to update the opening titles until the second episode. <laughs> I think I actually think because the version that uh, we saw was the well, it was uh, funny freely, died freely available Funny or Die version because it was released, uh, I think, a month earlier yeah, on um, Funny or Die. It was a month or even two. It was legally released. Yeah, kind of Curiously, like months uh, ahead so, of broadcast. So you think maybe they didn't I just think the, they just didn't have it ready. ready. So uh, I don't know how it went so to So the where. DVD version will have all the new ones on it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, for, for me, more of the same from Flight of the Concords. It's humorous. It's, you know, it, but, but to me, it's not laugh out loud humorous. It's mildly humorous. Uh, Murray, I think, steals the show. <laughs> if it could be the Murray show. I, I do love um, Murray. Rhys oh, Darby is Murray. In fact, if it could be the Murray and Mel show. <laughs> that with, with, you know, Flight of the Concords make a special kind of, uh, oh, here's Chachi appearance. <laughs> I quite Chachi. like Art Barker in it as well. It's, it's, it, it I is love becoming Arch a bit Barker, like that, though. I think yeah. this, this second series approach to it being uh, an ensemble uh, dra- uh, comedy is really interesting because there was, bigger. there's one episode in which 
I think it might be, we were seeing episode seven, which I think I'm the only one who's seen with the, the New Zealand Prime Minister, in which Brett basically doesn't do anything. I think he doesn't actually have a storyline in it. Um, but it's so funny that he doesn't need to. He just kind of hangs around with them. And he does sing a Korean karaoke song in the middle, <laughs> so in which, Korean. So which New Zealand uh, Prime Minister is it? Is it Helen Clark? No, no. Is that why the song is Demon Woman it's for a, that episode? No, no. It's, it's, a, it's a generic, it's this generic guy. And um, there's a lovely bit where he, he says like, yeah, oh, I'm Paul the Prime Minister and gives his card to someone. They go, this says John. And he goes, yeah, it was a previous one. We had 3,000 of these printed up. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I have to say, I, I, I like the idea of taking a very tiny thing and making it the entire storyline and how uh, everything goes from one to another to another in the, in the show. So, in the second episode, uh, Brett buys a cup. The mug. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, Brett buys a cup and... Uh, and so it goes through all the things <laughs> that happened because Brett bought this cup. Because, $2.79. Yeah. And then at the end, they've got a great visual gag about the whole episode. There has been some really lovely tying, tying plots together yeah. um, as this series has gone and, on. And so I think, I think they're, they're working a lot more on uh, concept rather than just, mm. uh, you know, concept of individual ep- episodes rather than just character establishment and let's have some funny songs in there. Curiously, the songs, I think, are definitely weaker overall for, for the most part. And it's funny because the previous series, the songs were, were brilliant and in many ways they were one of the, the real highlights. And now the songs in some ways feel, like you were saying, like they, yeah, they're, they're just, just there. They're just in they're interval. Great, but yeah, but, you know, but they're kind of like, oh, and there's a song. Mm. But then you know. but things, again, things yeah, like Arch Barker's character, mm. Dave, is, uh, is a lot more fleshed out mm. in this in this series and, and is a lot funnier. Sorry, mm. Amory. No, I was just the- saying, yeah, back with the songs. Oh, I love Dave. But as we were talking earlier, um, the Magnolia thing, where instead of actually coming up with the song to completely satirise a genre, they went to Magnolia and took the idea of people singing over something and put it in... Long yeah, there's screen. actually a, a I'm sequence. doing a visual here. Widescreen. Wide wide there there is a sequence it. in one of the episodes where it goes from mm. it goes from a standard widescreen picture to a cinemascope picture and parodies Magnolia, which Thank is such you. a That's what beautiful I was trying to say. thing. The Magnolia see. thing. Yeah, it's just, just yeah you know, to parody a film just in the middle of your, of, your, of your show like that in passing. It's beautifully done, and it works without necessarily knowing what they were starting off with. I should say oddly too, uh, Michelle Gondry directs one of the episodes this season. Um, who made Total Sunshine Spotless and, and heaps and heaps of um, music, videos. music uh, videos, Punk, and, yeah, music yeah. Video. and just comes in for an episode, doesn't take it over, and it's just kind of astonishing to go. Nice. Hey, that's a nice little you know, guest appearance there. There's there's one thing I really thought was interesting with the move to the ensemble, and this is you know thanks to people on the internet for letting me know about this one. <laughs> um, there is an episode in which Mel, their crazy stalker fan, reveals that she had a dream in which Brett did something she thought was untoward, and she thinks he should apologise for. And this is the same episode in which Murray's decided that, that they're, they're all better friends now. He can move them to the That's next the level of friendship. Chart. He has a graph for how friends work, <laughs> and he can move them up to the next level. And it turns out the plotline about the apologising for the dream is actually a plotline from Friends. It's actually something Phoebe said to one of the, uh, the characters in Friends. And the point is obviously that in Friends, that leads to hilarity. Mm. In Flight of the Concords, it leads to awkward moments in elevators. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, why they do the Friends references throughout and it. This, yeah, because they keep saying, oh, and, and you'd be, yeah. you, you'd be you know, Chandler and I'll be whatever. <laughs> and, and one of the guys is up here to be Monica because it's all that's left. <laughs> but it, it's just fascinating this idea of, of contrasting these two different styles of comedy by going, you know, this is a great sitcom idea, but in the Flight of the Concords world, it's just weird. Thank God Friends didn't do a musical episode. So I think they're, uh, I, I think Flight of the Concords are probably, I think Series 3, when they 
kind of take the best bits of series one, the best bits of series two, because the the conceptual stuff in series two is really strong. But I think it's not necessarily all that strong in jokes as much as it is strong in that's clever bits. <laughs> and uh, and series one had the jokes that they had been working on for about ten years. Well, see, series one too, because so many of those episodes come from the BBC series as well. A lot They're, of the plot lines have already been kind of. They're established, they, they know it, they, they've ironed them all out. I should say, so 10 episodes in the second series, and I was going to point out that... Um, well, in fact, they're still going to air. Uh, still, I'm, I'm it, just looking at uh, still on at the moment, and uh, now is Monday, and there was an episode yesterday in the States. But I should also say two more episodes after that. Last September in Q Magazine, the pair said that this is probably their last series. Right. Yes, so yeah, they, before they're, they're, they went so, to production. So that, uh, so that very good third series that the, I'm really that looking, looking forward to. It's just going to be in your head, isn't it? Right. Yeah. But I think, it's fantastic, though. <laughs> I think that's actually about because uh, Jermaine married Yoko, and uh, it's not going to happen anymore. Oh. Uh, you might yeah. have heard that Jermaine got married there was to, all, to Yoko. Yeah. There's also talk that Brett wants to go back to um, the, I'm not going to say Bad Seats, because that's Nick Cave's band. Mm. Um, the, the Black, Black Seeds. Seeds. The Black Seeds are the well, band that however, Brett was However, I in. do want to see Brett and Nick. Together? Yes. Singing. Oh, singing. I think that, oh, not, not, not. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, how, how else would they be together? Hi. Oh, but on. yeah, I, I, I'm on the stage, and, you know, with a I, microphone and singing a song. On the stage with a microphone. Yeah, an angsty song. <laughs> can we leave? Can, can we cut Anne-Marie's dirty imaginings <laughs> filthy, out, filthy of, out of the show, please? <laughs> just cut, cut them out. It just suddenly got hotter in the studio. <laughs> it was already steaming. It is quite steamy in here tonight. Maybe, maybe it's like... I've um, had to turn I a fan on. I wanted to see them singing. <laughs> so yes, Brett may Nick apparently could be appear on the show. It would he, be really funny. He may be returning to the world of music. Well, yeah, okay. he, he has said a number of times that that's, that's what he really wants to do is, is go back to the Black Seeds, and uh, they're getting quite uh, successful now. So you know, imagine having two successful things. Yeah, but and, and they've been quite good for quite a long time already. The Black Seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, he was in them. He was in them already. Yes, but he they, was in, and they left. Yeah, and then he's going to go back. But their popularity, I'm talking about, not their quality. Talking about the popularity. So I guess, yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. You think they're going to be the, the next international crowded house? Uh, no. <laughs> no. So what we're saying is if you like Flight of the Concords Series 1, you'll probably like Flight of the Concords Series yes. 2. If you didn't like Flight of the Concords Series 1, Watch you, it again. you probably won't. You probably won't like Flight of the Concords Series 2. But if you, if you only got um, kind of not that far into it, I found that uh, Series 1 got stronger and stronger mm. as they were getting towards the end of the series. And Series 2, I think, is doing the same thing. As well. I also like found coffee at the better bottom of the second pot. time round. Much. Because first time, giggled. Second time, hurt from laughing. See, I actually do laugh out loud at them, but maybe that's because I, you know, I go out with a Kiwi, so I, <laughs> I, I find anything that mocks New Zealanders. But definitely, yeah, I found them so much better when I watched them again. And I, I, loved I was them doing the first lots time. of laughing, but I was having my... Uh, I, it did have the support act of my current man crush, so I was ready to... Uh, <laughs> Who's your current man crush? Charlie Brooker. Uh, uh, Charlie Brooker, we do love Charlie myself. Brooker. Um, and also, just before you cut me off, I just want to mention those posters on the wall of Murray's office in oh, the New Zealand we'll Embassy. New, New Zealand. Zealand. Better than old Zealand. Better than old Zealand is my favourite, <laughs> yeah. my absolute favourite. And, and New Zealand, bring your mum. That was one <laughs> I really liked as well. And New Zealand, don't expect too much. You'll love it. <laughs> Anne-Marie Peer, thank you so much thank you. For, for coming on to Box Cutters. It's been a world of information. And, uh, and hopefully we can have you on again to uh, talk about more things that are in your areas of expertise. Excellent. And Josh, I believe you're now going to teleport back to New York. That's correct. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Jane Badler. You're listening to Box Cutters. So Josh has teleported back to uh, New York. Anne-Marie has returned to when she came. We're back with Wilbur. She just uh, opened the door and walked out. Is that how she did it? Yes. That's clever. Yes. That's digital. So analog, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> now, Wilbur, we were just talking about pre-record. Uh, we were talking about uh, scripted music, music shows. Uh-huh. Now, uh, you, of course, well-known as a musician. Um, hey, hey, it's Saturday. You are on there for about 48 years, I believe. About that, yep. And, and you know, when, when, you were, when you were a wee tacker, did you used to watch music on the telly and, and think, oh, I want to do that? Okay. We had um, Johnny O'Keefe's Six O'Clock Rock, there, which was sort of a little bit before my time. So he hosted that. It wasn't oh, yeah. just him singing all his songs every week. He hosted the show. Billy, or was it a daily Billy, thing? Billy, uh, he, he might have been, I'm just trying to think. It might have been a, a five-day-a-week thing. Might have been. Right. Billy Thorpe had his own show. Can't remember the name of it. Um, Bandstand, we used to watch. Um, I on, on Johnny that, that's weirdly kind of not rock, isn't it? I mean, now it would be really weird for a musician to host, you know, a, a weekly Oh, music show. Well, I, I, I beg to differ. Jules Holland. Oh, yeah, fair point. Um, Not in this country, though. Um, Later with Jules Holland was one of my favourite things on TV when I was over in London. Johnny Foreman had a show um, going. John Foreman from... Uh, uh, music director. On, he was with Bert, wasn't he? With Bert for yeah. many years. Great pianist. And is what, what happens, too, if you, if, you go on, if you go on TV, all of a sudden you can't play anymore. You know, this is, this is the thing. Good. Foreman would say... This, like you you know, can't, can't just gig. You go, you, that's it. Well, I mean, you, you know, people just get this thing, oh, he's on TV, can't play. John Foreman is a fantastic jazz player, you know, he's really good. And he hosted, and he did a good job of it too, uh, Jules Holland-ish in, in you know, just uh, some um, newer bands. And I think it only ran for about like eight weeks. It was like a bit of a summer filler. What, a couple of years ago, probably? I never saw. I, I don't remember that. It was but, like about um, eleven o'clock at night on Channel Ten. Well, he wouldn't when have he been the first to uh, to nick off with uh, Jules Holland's idea. Kate Sobrano <laughs> did Studio Twenty Two, had the guest artists coming in that she would play with. Very course, Jules Holland. The thing with Jules Holland is that Jules Holland is, is mostly known as pianist. So right. I think, uh, as opposed to someone like Kate Sobrano, who you know, if you're the singer, you're the the the, the star. You're the centre of, of attraction. I mean, the Jules. It was easier for Jules Holland to play. With yeah, with the guest guys. of the yeah, week, but, and yeah. and to me, um, I think I think Jules maybe was a bit more gracious as well. That, that there could be an aspect <laughs> of that. Who could say? But um, I would say just later with Jules Holland, it, it's a really nice show because to me the the appeal of that show as a music show is when he gets the the performers to either perform together or to perform songs that are out of their their normal out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. or yeah. their style. Mm. Uh, also, uh, I mentioned Bandstand. We had in the 60s, and I sort of remember these a little bit because I was only uh, little, but uh, Commotion, The Go Show, and Happening 70s. Well, it was in the 70s. Um, and that featured our pop stars were like uh, Mike Ferber, uh, Pat Carroll, Yvonne Barrett, who was so sexy. I mean, but for a 13, 14-year-old boy, she was so sexy and came to a gruesome end in Punchbowl. She was murdered, Yvonne Barrett. Pat Carroll married um, <clears throat> John F- uh, <clears throat> Farrah. 
from the strangers, and uh, they live in the United States now. But um, and, and and Molly was around. I remember. And, th- and did you used to watch these shows? I mean, you were <coughs> you were a kid, presumably, when these were. Yeah, my big, well, see, my big brother seven seven years older than me, so he had sort of a good record collection and was quite hip. He was a mod, and he'd go out. Um, and then uh, music shows that sort of influenced us. Well. I watched a show called Don Kirshner's In Concert. It was an American show that used to be played here at night time, right? Uh, 1975, it was at Eric McCusker's place. We were studying at the Sydney Conservatorium. There was a band called Flash Cadillac, uh, Flash Cadillac and the Continental Kids, all right? And they were like a 50s revival band. And the next day... After seeing these guys with their ducktails, with their their really smooth clothes, though like this fifties rocker sort of thing, and pointy toe shoes and everything, I thought, oh, man, how cool are those guys? The next day, I heard an advertisement driving around with Eric uh, in his father's Gemini, and it said, "Rock revival band, old fifty five, require a saxophone player. Auditionees to roll up at the West Ride Police Boys Youth Club." I was the only one who showed up, and I got the gig with old fifty five, the fifties revival. So it was like this synchronous thing, and that was came from Don Kirshner's in concert. So that's uh, showing up early and, and kneecapping everybody else. It <laughs> really worked out well for you. Because back then you couldn't play the saxophone. But it was, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But, so so but, television literally mm. changed your life then. It did. And then, and then, of course, we went on Bandstand, hosted by Brian Henderson. And, and talking of Brian's, Brian Naylor, the late Brian Naylor, hosted a show called Swallows Juniors when we were kids, right? <laughs> Which isn't what it sounds like these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Legally, you can't do that anymore. Not, not was, in television. It was. A, I think Swallows were like a biscuit company, weren't they? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Swallows <coughs> and Bronwyn Galpin was on there. And in fact, I reckon, I reckon too that Deborah Byrne and Wendy Stapleton were both uh, Swallows juniors. All right. Before um, uh, Deb went on to Young Talent Time, uh, which was another great musical show, mm. which unfortunately Hey Hey at Saturday killed. Uh, Johnny Young sort of blamed us. For did did yeah, he? Well, because we were up against you know like six thirty on uh, Saturday night. That but, was when you know. They could run. They they could have easily shifted over to uh, Sunday nights. And were they on ten? I'm just trying. Uh, oh, 10? They, yes, they I were. They were, they, were okay. sure yeah. they were. They went so, to about 1980 yeah. something though as well. Whereas you guys about 86, I reckon. And I so think they could have taken the uh, the yeah. wonderful world of Disney on Channel Seven, which all the kids were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Swallows Juniors. Were, we are the Juniors. The Swallows Juniors saying goodbye to you. Yes, and I mean, and this is this is. Now, this is the sort of stuff that he says, bumping his microphone. This is the sort of stuff that really stuck. And you'd see kids getting up there and, uh, and, and singing. And, and then Young Talent Time came along. And, I mean, it was just a great thing to do. Do you know, I can't imagine that sort of show happening now. Am I, am I completely wrong there? But the whole sort of, you know, Young Talent Time style sort of teen... I don't know. It seems John, somehow too naive and innocent. An ensemble idol. cast. But I mean, Australian Idol is kind of semi-amateur, yeah, yeah, sort of, sort of. But, but that's what I, I kind of get. Yeah, that that aspect there. But the idea of the kind of you know completely naive, uh, kiddie ensemble group. Well, know, that the ensemble cast, as you say, and they would uh, they would collaborate on different numbers and sing backing vocals and things. There was a live band in the studio, and arrangements every week. There would be you know like ten or eleven different arrangements, and that kept uh, musicians and arrangers in work. And uh, then that sort of morphed a little bit. Well, was a show I was just thinking of then. Um, um, well, Hey Hey Saturday sort of was a great music show. Uh, Countdown, of course, just what a culture-shaping event that was. Presumably, there's there's very little room now in television for 
a muso. I mean, as opposed to a star. Like, you know, you, you guys could turn up, like you were saying, there was a band on, on you know, um, Young Talent Time. There's obviously the, the Hey Hey It's band, a band. You'd turn up and play music yep. throughout the show. I, I can't... Yeah, I can't no, think of on. any. Well, Chong Lim's making a good. Chong's doing out. great. Out, you know, there's dancing, dancing with the stars. There's and also it takes two. It takes two uh, celebrity singing bee. They have a live band in there, and so I mean, it's it's not what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, and I'm not saying that they were the good old days either, but uh, it was not. Uh, well, it was conventional that when you released a single uh, in the mid '70s through the '80s, um, you would go and mine that on Hey Hey at Saturday, mm-hmm. which is how. Mm-hmm. Uh, my association with the show began, you know, Joe Giuseppe and the Falcons or Old 55. Old 55 with Frankie J. Holden, we were on Current Affair, you know. It was just that thing where in a radio station, uh, you, you'd, you'd waltz into 3XY with literally a 45 of your latest single and you'd give it to Stan Rafe and say, hey, uh, we're here, yeah, play that. And say, okay, cool. And the same with Hey Hey. You go and sometimes you play live. Most of the times you'd be miming uh, with a live vocal or something like that. And that was, you know, that was a real important thing. You know, people would see you on Hey Hey at Saturday. On the strength of an appearance on Countdown, you could tour the East Coast for six weeks. And then, uh, as I say, Night Moves. Um, most of the tapes of Night Moves have, have now been uh, lost. But Lee Simon, uh, we shot... Um, Oh, La Trobe University, The Angels, and JoJo Zepp and the Falcons. It was a night move special. It was shot like five cameras and run, and you know. Um, but you don't think someone like Grove <coughs> has the ability to create that kind of publicity now for new bands? I think it does. I'd like what I'd like to see on Rove's show is a live studio band. I'd like to see that doing playoffs and play-ons and even backing an artist, a la Hey Hey. It's not, you know, on YouTube at the moment you can see the Hey Hey band backing Joe Cocker, Bonnie Raitt. Lou Rawls, Barry Manilow, Tom Jones, um, you know, and I Tom mean, Jones and uh, Whispering Jack, and 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 Farnham, you know, like yeah. I mean, just the debut of "You're the Voice" in 1987, 86, on Hey Hey, it was a show devoted to John Farnham. It was one of the highest rating shows we ever did, and it was. Extraordinary! I was standing next to Glenn Wheatley as they started playing live You're the Voice. I get goosebumps talking to you about it now, let alone what it felt like then. It was just, you know, and, and it was great to see Fancy singing on um, uh, Saturday at the Sound Relief concert with Coldplay too. And I think he did a fantastic job and it's one of those one of those moments that really sticks with you. And that just came about because of the Australian music scene and uh, the, well, the then collaboration. Um, look, Rove... You know, I mean, it, it, he has like one band on or something like that. Yeah, right at the end of the show. Right at the end of the show. Yeah. I mean, I mean, his producers are doing what they are it's doing. It's kind of like an afterthought. I think so. You know, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, we had Tina Turner on for three numbers. And I remember it was three numbers because she did three costume changes and she was fantastic. And it was just, and, and playing live. We had Stevie Wonder, for heaven's sake. Daryl played drums with Stevie Wonder. That's really a cool thing to do, you know. And I mean, not that we took it for granted at the time, but, and then um, Sounds Unlimited with Donnie Sutherland was another great show. Saturday mornings? Saturday mornings yep. on Channel 7 and out of, out of Sydney. And I mean, we were, look, we would have been playing a gig up until, you know, three o'clock at Selena's in Coogee Bay. And then, you know, out to the studios at seven o'clock in the morning for, you know, Graham Webb was the producer then. And so did you get down for any uh, factory or recovery on the ABC, those 
to I uh, didn't. ABC's Saturday morning show. No, I watched that. It was Dylan Lewis and... Um, that was Recovery. And uh, the, the Enforcer, who was later uh, unmasked as Tanya. Uh, Angus Sampson. Oh, Angus Sampson, yes. Very talented and, uh, actor Lee too. Winnell was involved down and there. Tanya, um, Tanya Lacey. Tanya Lacey. That, well, that was one of the last sort of hurrahs, wasn't it, of that style of music-based recovery was, yeah, yeah. And, and the factory seemed to have kind of more screaming young teenage girls working for them with uh, one of those dados and uh, and oh, Alex yeah. And also, yep. you have a think about the, the Mulray. Doug Mulray hosted uh, Live at the Basements. I liked them... Um, because Mulray had a real respect, I think he was very, he was a very gracious and and respectful host. He, he could you could tell that he loved his music, and there were many fine bands. I, I never saw that, but I cannot imagine Doug Mulray was, being I respectful. Tell you, no, he was really good. It, it was like a an aficionado, and and you know he 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 knew what he was talking about. And then there was a great uh, uh, jazz show hosted by a uh, wonderful Sydney bassist, uh, Jonathan Swartz. And that ran for about uh, 10 episodes. I remember pitching to be the host for that. It must be about three or four years ago now. And um, so th- these things that, that crop up, um, they were two ABC shows, of course. But um, Do you think there's, there's room still for a big countdown-style sort of you know, wide popular music program or, or has, has the music industry changed too much to... Music I don't think it's the music industry that's changed. I think it's the TV industry that's changed and now they can get away with just playing clips. So you've got video yeah. hits. Yeah, and, and also, uh, also... You don't have to have crew, you just what hit about, the button. What about Solid Gold? Remember solid gold dancers. dancers. I mean, you know, <laughs> they, they live on. But um, that was like a you know, really hip and slick American production. I think television certainly has changed properly. Uh, the music industry certainly has changed in the extent that, or to the extent that, anyone now can make an album. You know, you can do that at home. In those days, you were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a single, let alone, a, you know, there, there were million-dollar film clips being made back then, which demanded, you know, some sort of um, reciprocity. You, you know, you, hey, look, we've just made this million-dollar film clip. Please, you know, th- this is content for your TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, run it, you know. It was interesting. Uh, last year, I believe it was MTV in America said they were no longer playing music. Cool. I don't know if you, if you saw that, but um, it rings a bell. Yeah, MTV America declared. So that it's all about reality TV. Now reality and TV, and yeah, so the M is no longer for for music, and it's, it's only for mediocre now. It, it is. So it's kind of alarming to think we've we've come to this point. And on that slightly depressing note, we're um, about to be teleported again, I believe, by Mr. Josh Canal. <laughs> Now, we all know what that sound means. That's Josh Canal teleporting into a phone box <laughs> to call us. Th- thanks for teleporting into the studio before, Josh, but I think you've missed this time. I, uh, you know what, I, I don't really have that much control over it. I just kind of, uh, you know, I, I just kind of close my eyes, push that little button on my belt, and, uh, and, and end up wherever I end up. So but where, did, where, where did you end up now, Josh? Now I've ended up in the lobby of the Chelsea Hotel in New York. How very Warhol of you. Uh, oh, yeah, t- totally. Uh, except in, instead of just filming uh, different girls doing odd things and boring things with their time, I'm hunched over my laptop like uh, some modern-day Cosimoto. Well, that, that's what Warhol would be doing now if he well, were alive. 
if you're alive. Actually, what he'd be doing now if you were alive is still complaining about the time he got shot. <laughs> well, it's the kind of thing that stays with you. So what, what's going on in New York, Josh? What, what have you learned? What can you tell the box cutter family? Well, television controversy, ladies and gentlemen. Last week, uh, last Thursday, and this is pretty much all anybody's been talking about. And when I say all anybody's been talking about, what I mean is there was an article in, uh, in the New York Times about this. Um, well, that's everybody. Like, yeah, that's, that's everybody. That's, you know, foreign people in the lobby, they just uh, sit here and talk about <laughs> John Stewart and The Daily Show. Uh, John Stewart talked to Jim Cramer from uh, Mad Money, which is a, a show that they have here on a channel that they have here called CNBC, mm-hmm. which is kind of like NBC's special financial channel. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like Bloomberg, but it's Bloomberg for people who don't necessarily know that much about money. And Mad Money is this show that came about because this guy Jim Cramer, he had his blog called The Street and uh, you know how most blogs just get a book deal. Well, he got his own CNBC show and he tries to make investing fun. But what happened was that while he was doing uh, all of this spruiking for the hedge funds and the uh, and the shorts and and the uh, and the loans and uh, you know telling people to to support their sterns and you know all of these and Lehman Brothers and he was really backing them uh, and. John Stewart says, you know, you're aware of the markets, you're aware of what was coming. You say that you knew what was happening and you didn't do anything about it and you're still telling people to do what they do. I just think, you know, as a, as a journalist or a commentator, you have a responsibility to tell people that they are going to lose their money quite likely. And, uh, and it was huge. It went over three segments on the Daily Show, which almost never happens. With so, uh, Josh, it, it doesn't sound terribly controversial, though. Was it? Was this like an argument, or a, like were there fist fights? Were there were there were there knives? It was. You know, what, Jim, Jim Cramer has become because uh, a, a while ago, the uh, Daily Show had said that CNBC were not doing their job properly by uh, by not protecting their viewers. And Jim Cramer has since become kind of the uh, unfortunate spokesperson for the for the station, which just makes no sense. But you know that's that's what he's been doing. He's been going around spruiking it. There weren't knives, but there were strong words said. Uh, at, at one point, uh, John Stewart said uh, something like, you, "You're making this fun, and you keep trying to make this fun, but it's not a fucking game." And, uh, and, and, you know, the, the audience cheered because the, the Daily Show audience cheers when Jon Stewart says something good. Uh, but he also, you know, accused them of being snake oil salesmen. And, uh, and it, was, so it, was, it was quite a big thing, quite a big controversy in television world. These two uh, cable TV shows that, you know... Essentially, I mean, they're cable. They wouldn't have made a blip on the radar five years ago. And now people are really talking about this like it's it's the most important thing in television. And I saw something uh, with the viewer figures uh, along the lines of the Daily Show had gone up 20% and Jim Cramer had dropped 24% of its viewers. 
Yeah, which means uh, it's, a, it's a good time to buy Jim Cramer because he's got a lot. <laughs> Josh, we could watch you teleport in and out all day, but frankly, we've got lives. So thank you for joining us <laughs> from New York. Hey, that's, uh, that's my pleasure. Maybe uh, next week it'll be Chicago or Guatemala. Well, yeah, we send you our love. Well, thank you very much, Boxers. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Letters to box cutters. We get we, them. We just had an intro for that. We did. <laughs> but just to let you know, in case you were sitting at home thinking, I love that postman film. That was great. We should see Kevin Costner in more things. Letters. You know. Um, very quickly, uh, just to get through, Peter Milne, is there a link available for the Green Guide article? Not as yet. There will be. Oh, well Promise. Done. We'll, we'll put one up. Um, Peter Wilson wrote in to say, listen to the chat with James twice. Remember last week we talked to James Talia about the coverage of the, uh, the bushfires in the media. Uh, he said, this is the chat with James Twice, combined with the intimacy of headphones, probably placed an unfair weight on words uttered in general discussion. In general, I thought that both the print and electronic media handled the story extremely well. Uh, when the media did let itself down, it was areas of those furthest from the story that stood out. Promotion department copy that suggested the disaster area was just an exciting backdrop and newsroom copy staff put into the list of our great stories over the past week too soon. There is no punctuation there. <laughs> I, I didn't quite follow uh, the point he was making about listening to it in headphones and maybe undue. Oh, I, I kind of thought he was saying, because another couple of letters in saying that it was, a, it was an intriguingly powerful interview in, in, in that what was being said wasn't necessarily, I thought, as important as, as the emotion. There was obviously a lot of emotion coming out which of James. Was, which you know. was uh, very evident on the video podcast, but uh, I'm not evident. sure if it... Uh, listening back, I couldn't hear elements that I was seeing in the studio. So, yeah, for last week, we recommend It was you definitely more powerful in <laughs> on the video watching podcast. Watching it happen. Um, speaking of which, Emily... So who, tragic we don't actually have one. <laughs> see, without Josh here to say, there is no video podcast, <laughs> it kind of goes a bit wrong. Um, Emily actually wrote in, she was the one who suggested we review United States of Tara. Mm, and Our pleasure. Uh, our pleasure. And she said, um, it's actually didn't like it as much as I do, but I'm glad you're happy with Tony Collette's performance. Um, she's been watching Dollhouse on Channel BitTorrent and, uh, and basically says much the same that, you know, that Brett and I said because we were right and Josh was wrong. As per usual. But I said, anyway, since I'm sort of a new listener slash viewer, I'm ha- having so much fun listening to your old podcast the past few weeks. I feel I'm part of the family now. I don't know if I should admit this, but I find Brett's voice strangely calming and tranquil. Brett, please interrupt Josh a little more from now on. <laughs> well, we, we have gone to the extent of <laughs> throwing him out of the country for <laughs> yeah, this week's yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's, it's and, and, and I'll second that. I, I find Cropley sopperific at the best of times. It, it, it's quite, yeah. I, I was wondering when we when that uh, that message came in uh, um, on uh, hooray at boxcutters.net uh, whether she was talking about my regular voice, like my, my speaking voice like just now, or uh, somehow we got around to the voiceover for like Pot Black. Yes, and he's uh, just lining up the black. Whispering the Ted Cropley. Yes. <laughs> You're like warm honey. So just in case, there's mellifluous. a little bit more for you, uh, It is. Emily. It's mellifluous. That dripping honey. She also says, P.S. You guys are great in the video podcast. It took me a few days to finish downloading the five gigabyte file, but it was certainly worth it. We've actually got HD now, so it's um, they're, they're a little bit bigger. They're now half a tetra kilo. Uh, and also... 
Lost has been such an awesome mindfuck recently. I'm so confused, but I can't stop watching. My only criticism, too much romance, not enough answers. Please discuss Lost sometime soon. This goes back to a letter of a few weeks back saying, have we ever actually reviewed Battlestar Galactica? Or do we just mention it all the time? It's right, really- that was Lost. How did we get on to no, BSG? No, 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 but Lost, Lost and Battlestar Galactica, both shows that it's actually, uh, so at this point, I think you can't review them. They, they, they exist as a kind of ongoing continuum and to... To review either of them now would probably just be spoilers for those who haven't come in. We have had a special episode in the past where we had, um, I'm just blanking on his name, Justin Hamilton, Mm -hmm. who is a a lost file, basically, Um, loves it and and came in to to have a bit of a chat with us. That was before your time, John, before before you had uh, regenerated from Ross. Perhaps we'll have to get Justin back in. To, to Maybe after the comedy festival uh, when he's perhaps got a bit more time. And we finally, did receive in the physical mail uh, sent through. Uh, oh, no, it was actually dropped off. But if you want to send us physical mail, you can send it to P.O. Box 2145 Brunswick East, Victoria 3057. That's care of Triple R, care of box cutters. Brett, Josh. Because, yes, you can John. send us things I have in my hand, a lovely tube. Such as actual Chad did. And uh, we're very appreciative of it. Uh, we, we missed it last week. I went asking about it and uh, somebody just forgot. Um, so there was some stuff in there and uh, he wrote to us on a little note. In the post-Obama Stephen Farley poster, Art Times, We Live In Now, the poster that's for John <clears throat> may seem a little dated. And uh, we originally thought it might have been a poster of John kind of in, in like a like a two-bit or one bit uh, it, it's, graphic. It's a copy of the um, Obey. Yeah, it's a copy of the the, the famous Obama poster, um, which I can't remember what the word was under. That was a hope, audacity, something. Anyway, mm. it's it's a copy of that. Although it appears to be, uh, I think Roger Delgado as the master from Doctor Who with the word Obey underneath it. So it's a it's another approach of the future. Uh, it may seem a little dated. These trinkets are from a trip. Uh, the trinkets being oh uh, key rings. I, I, I need some explanation <laughs> here, actual Chad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett had to say I don't know what the hell this is. Um, and then, sadly, I had to admit that I did. It's uh, the Seal of Rassilon. Uh, if you are a Time Lord on, time lord on Gallifrey, you will see this uh, <laughs> as a decorative motif appearing <laughs> in virtually any corridor you happen to walk down. So, Chad says uh, they're from a trip to Whovention 2003. I assume some sort of international Doctor Who convention, John. You'd, you'd probably be up more to speed I, 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 I'm guessing you're right there. Where I was ill-advised to offset my travel and accommodation costs by selling various gigors to the convention flock and instead ended up publicly insulting Wendy Padbury. It's like a synopsis for a bad road movie. Thanks for all your box-cutting goodness. All the best for the box-cutting future. Makes it sound like a swear word. <laughs> box so, cutter you thank you thank you chad and remember we like to get gifts so please do send more in um again just uh, refresh me it's hooray at boxcutters.net hooray at boxcutters.net with your with your hands with in your the hands air. in the air when, like you, that. when you hit the send button you've got to go hooray you can also contact us through the web page and you at, can uh, sms cutters. us at uh the butt doctor number which is on the web page site <laughs> <laughs> Josh it just falls to pieces. I can't, oh, no. Don't, I thought you'd know. Don't throw me. I never listened to Josh, so I don't really know. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. I got it. It's uh, SMS to 0458 288 837. And that's... Uh, 
I think that's that's the uh, the raw number said much better than it's ever been said before <laughs> because Josh is always the one to uh, say it. Or oh four five eight Cutter, or oh four five eight Butt Doctor. Yes, but and not Doctor Butt. Not Doctor Butt. That's a no. whole other number. Did you see any of the uh, the the first episode of season? What are we up to? Sixteen of the Footy Show, the AFL Footy Show uh, the, over the week. Watched a little bit of it, yes, and uh, followed some of the uh, comment as to uh, vote now whether you think Trevor Marmalade should have been given the flick. And uh, was that a Herald Sun? <coughs> the Herald Sun thing, yeah. Poll, yeah. yeah. How did that come out? I'm not sure. I haven't actually followed the uh, percentages on it, but I'm. Sh- it was. It's just such a loaded question. You know? I'm going to say you've got your judgmental voice on, Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think because. Trev was was he one of the producers on it? I think he was. He was kind of one of the founding members. He and Eddie and Sam. He carried members. gravitas because Trev is the comedy doctor, and structurally, I'm sure he would have had a lot of input in there. Yeah, yeah. but um, it seemed to be a chaotic mess. They, it seems, it seems that it's just fallen into this self indulgent. Um, uh, road crash almost <laughs> and in fact uh, I would say that it's around about the level of the NRL footy show which as it so happens uh, this week started off with lots of gravitas with uh, with what's his face just blanking on his name Fatty B- Borden um, doing a monologue not a comedy monologue though but uh, you players yeah, you're destroying my game stop going out there and assaulting women oh, that's there, right. there yeah, was yeah. a line on Good Newsweek this week uh, uh, about reference to the usual laying of the usual charges which I thought was, <laughs> <laughs> was quite appropriate <laughs> that was the one line from Good Newsweek probably that's, that's the one funny line from this week's Good Newsweek well that is all for episode 173 73. thank you very much Wilbur Wilde for joining us pleasure John Brett uh, Anne Marie appeared from AussieTheatre.com, who has now thanks Anne Marie. Bill waving to waving to her out uh, through the window, and thanks to Josh for, for teleporting, teleporting backwards and forwards. And uh, sorry about uh, the way that you accidentally uh, got your travel directions wrong on you, your utility belt. There, but at thank least you to he tries. Crumpler, who provides all of our giveaways. You can find them on the web at Crumpler.com, I believe it is. And Triple R, the best and, radio uh, station we, in the world. In who, fact, uh, if for those listeners who might have seen uh, the Green Guide article a few weeks ago and noticed the little uh, red reflective logo T-shirt uh, that I was wearing uh, there for the photo, they may be uh, included in some of our giveaways coming up. We're such whores. Triple R Studios we use each and every week. You can talk for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. Well, you can find them on the net www.rrr.org.au. Can I, can I just say, cut boxes to create, don't cut boxes to destroy. Wow, that's that's a nice. That's little really beautiful. Bit of uh, yeah, I'm blown away by such philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get my coat. Anyway, join us again uh, next uh, week. Check Any- out Triple R in Melbourne and Surrounds, 102.7 on the FM. And if you want to hear the rest of the bit that goes here, just listen to last week's when Josh did it. It was good. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to be away for too long. No, he'll come back. Um, but it's all for Emily. So if it all goes really pear-shaped, we'll have get a